So we're sitting currently in the Dalston Curve Garden and we're in the greenhouse. There are, there's a beautiful log fire here keeping us warm. We've got tea and coffee and biscuits and it's so lovely to be here. So today this show is part of the one-off global radio broadcast um, in the name of peace and freedom and it's to mark international human rights day and so we've been asked to think about what peace sounds like to us so we're going to have a conversation we'll just let it go where it wants to go and hopefully we'll learn more about each other and have a really interesting discussion. So I think the best way to start, just give a little insight into what peace personally means to you. So Betty, would you like to start? What does peace mean to you? Hello everyone, I'm Betty. I live in Agni and I love Agni. Um, being peaceful is very, very important. And um, I think we can each find peace in each other for by listening and having a conversation because when we have a deep conversation with each other we know where everybody is lacking we know what we can do to help people and we know what we can do to bring people to bring peace into people's life because peace is very very important to the world to each to each an individual and to everyone as well good morning my name is charles and uh, i used to write for the hackney senior magazine is part of Connect Acne. Um, I'd just like to say, just sitting around this table with different nationalities that, and that we're all working together, I think that's uh, how the world should be. Uh, living in a culture where everybody can live with their own rights and that and privileges and their, and their backing and freedom to do so. So that's what I'd like to say. Hello, I'm Anna. I'm Portuguese. I'm very grateful to the Hackney Circle for providing all these activities for us. Um, for me, to be um, free, to be in peace, is to um, be able to do what you want without hurting um, other people and treating them like as you'd like to be treated and uh, abiding by the laws of the country and if you're a religious person, by God. Hello, I'm Alexandro. Um, I'm Italian. I came to London in 1976 and it's very nice to meet everybody in the Curve Garden this morning. To me, peace is something that needs to be nurtured. It's, you got to be at peace with yourself, peace in your family, and uh, should start uh, at school, maybe even at the nursery, to train people to solve their own disputes uh, at peace and be fair to each other. I'm Sue and I live, uh, you know, two or three miles from here and I've uh, I've enjoyed coming here to this garden, which is very nice. And I've just seen all the bulbs have been planted, ready to come up in February. And so somebody's been very busy here. No, I think it's important that we shouldn't be worrying or lying awake at night worrying about things it's very important to have lovely get-togethers like this today and be at peace with everybody and try to make sure we don't we don't upset the the atmosphere 
Hi, I'm Malcolm. I'm um, English and all East End. Um, it, it's, it's, it's really it's wonderful just hearing people's opinions um, so, so quickly, really. I, I mean, I, there is nothing to disagree with. Um, I agree with everything that's been said already. And from my own point of view, I, I probably would add just a note of, um, of not quite such a positive feeling, uh, because for a long time now, really, my feeling has been slightly negative. And I guess what sort of made it even more uh, negative is the fact that I've realized that the Human Rights Act that many countries, and when I say many countries, get together and talk about human rights every year, I discovered there are over 190 countries that actually have got together. And this has been going on for 75 anniversaries. So at the moment, I need to listen to more people like you, really, about peace, as much as I love the idea of people living in peace. Uh, my name is Antonia, and I'm an indigenous African. Um, thank you very much, Michael, for that. You know, um, I think the peace has to come from within. You know, that if you have peace with yourself, you will be at peace with other people. I find that when something is um, agitating me, I just put, I've got uh, a system that I put on my phone, and I just use this word, peace. And it's a quarter, and it gives me, at the end of it, I will learn some vocabularies, and I mean, some words, new words. Uh, also, it will bring that feeling that I'm having at that moment to disappear so that I will have peace because I'm focusing on something else rather than the problem that is making me to be uh, agitated or something. So peace is important. But like Malcolm said, this treaty has gone for 75 years, but it starts with us. The peace has to, and it will permeate through our society, through our community. So when we have peace, and we will be able to live in peace with other people, I think that that's my take on it. Thanks, Antonia. So if anyone, when we're going to kind of start more of a discussion now. If you want to speak, just put your hand up and um, get a mic, and um, and we'll get the conversation going. So I'd, I'd just like to pick up on a few things. Um, so yes, of course, you know, being with people, um, accepting people from different cultures, having conversations, these things, you know, are super important. But what is it that means that people aren't able to do that? Why, why is that so difficult? Um, I, 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 guess, <laughs> I guess it's because, or what certainly comes to mind straight away, is that people find it <clears throat> on both a local level individual level and and on a global level really to be able to deal with things like conflict and if people can't deal with conflict and can't talk reasonably as we are around this table talking about conflict and how you end conflict or not necessarily end it but, but, but 
because conflict isn't necessarily always bad. Sometimes it can be okay. But people need to be able to... No, not, I say people. I actually mean communities, individuals, and nationalities, and nations need to be able to talk about it far more in a much more positive way about how to deal with conflict and difference of opinions. And we must talk. And really the answer is, for me, two things. Talking and taking notice of young people and how they feel and what they have to contribute, not just what we think. And we must tell youngsters how to think and how to behave. Actually, there are songs that actually wonderful song by Crosby, Stills and Nash called Teach the Children where it's children talking to their elders and their elders talking to their children and both giving each other advice and for me that's the way forward teach your children well that's not me quoting that's from the various songs because the past is just a goodbye. Teach your children well. Their father's hell did slowly go by. And feed them on your dreams. The one they picked, the one you know by. Don't you ever ask them why If they told you you would cry So just look at them and sigh And know they love you And you Your elders grew up, and so please help them with your needs. They seek the truth before they can die. Teach your parents well, their children's hell will slowly go by. Them on your dreams, the one they fix, the one you know by. Don't you ever ask them why if they told you you were. Uh, to me, this is um, a uh, like a plant that is blossom. In order for it to blossom, it needs uh, soil. Um, and uh, the soil in this case is uh, fairness. Fairness, uh, and uh, as it is perceived that we are all uh, judged equally and no discrimination. And uh, then, of course, we need the irrigation, and that's through dialogue. The dialogue is the irrigation, and we need uh, the sun. The sun is love. And that's all combined 
we bring peace among us. To achieve peace, to achieve peace, we've got to understand that we are all different, we come from different countries, um, but in order to achieve it, we've got to talk, explain our reasons, uh, why we think that way, but uh, we should come to an agreement, which is the world should live in peace and um, you shouldn't be disturbed by other people who don't uh, think like you. I think, first of all, we have to go back to the root of the cause because we can have a conversation, we can have different things, and we're still not getting anywhere because they've been doing it for years. So I think, for me, number one is greed, another one is entitlement, like, you know, you're not supposed to be there. You're not supposed to. So when we take everything, when we slip everything down and start from the beginning and see what actually caused all this thing, this land belongs to me, you are not, you know, this, this. And, and the funny thing is, everything we met here, nobody come to this world with anything, nothing. Everything was there, given to us by God. You know, I believe in God anyway. So everything was there. We met the river, the sea, the this, that, that, and that. We met in this world. Nobody brought anything. And everybody came, and then we start fighting over what doesn't even belong to us. And we claim in it, and we have entitlement. And So if we say, strip everything down to the bare thing and see what is everything and believe that all these things are just for this world only, so then yeah, the peace will come. So that's mine. Um, this is Charles again. I was going to say, uh, I think part of the problem is dealing with the past. Um, like our country, for instance, the empire. I think the empire is still here in sort of in many various ways and we have to deal with it and correct it. Uh, like, um, like Greece, for instance. So we're still, still having problems. So unless we can do, deal with that, we're always going to have arguments uh, around the world. Thank you. Um, that's an interesting, Betty, that's an interesting point about inequality and when and, and greed, I guess, the, the issue around, so can you have peace if there's inequality? Is it possible for people to feel contented and have dialogue and be uh, at peace with one another when some people have more than others? So how can that be managed? I mean, some people say that the the way to do that is to kind of do something like uh, like a universal salary so that everyone gets a baseline and everyone will be happier because they have uh, enough without having to struggle. Because often struggle and not having means that there needs to be blame and blame creates conflict. So how can we, I mean, that's one idea. Has anyone got any thoughts or ideas around that? Hi, I'm, I'm, my name's Faye. I love singing. I sing in a choir called Vox Holloway, which is wonderful. The thing about the universal salary sounds great, but there would be some people when they get their salary, they will invest it and make more money, and the other person would not would remain static. So there will never be that equality. So what you're saying is that it's, it, it comes down to choices, the, the choice, that we, even if we have a universal, uh, you know, agreement that this is what should happen, being a, uh, a tripartite person, that means we have will, we have volition and we have mind. So God has given us that. 
So each and every one of us will, you know, use that to to determine how we the the trajectory of our life, how it's going to be going. Yes, you're right. People will make choices, and the choices will be. That is what makes us such unique uh, species of what God has created. I'm a believer, and He's made us the pinnacle of His creation that is given us days that you can choose. We, we can choose to live at peace with each other by making right decision and by, by thinking. He said, as a man thinks, so is he. You know, you, you, if I don't want something nasty to myself, why would I want it for you or my, Malcolm or Charles or, or anybody? So if we treat others the way we want them to treat us, the, you know, the, the, the world will be a better place. We've been saying it, and I think we don't want to talk about politics. We should think carefully. You see, voting is, is a franchise that is very, very, very dear, very important. You know, we, when we put people, we, it should be people that we know that are caring and they, they're going to do for, for the whole, not for only a select few, like an elite group. No. We can have the universalism, but people will still want to do what they want to do. I believe seriously that the peace comes within. If you have that, you'll be able to, you know, radiate it, and it will go to other people. The way we talk, like you said, we cannot be the same, you know. The way we speak to people, the way we respect, you know, each other, irrespective of where we're coming from or where our background is, that will bring peace. We need it. We need it much more so at this moment of time because there's so many things that is going on that shouldn't be happening. Uh, I, I, I keep thinking that, I'm really trying very hard to be optimistic about peace uh, today uh, in 2023. But it seems to me that it seems to me that peace overall, not as an individual, not as uh, as Antonia says, which I completely agree with. You know, it, it emanates and and starts with inner peace and starts with the individual. But it doesn't necessarily. Um, catch on in nations, in countries. Um, uh, someone else talked about history, the history that we have in this country. Um, uh, but what about the, the history of other countries as well? It, it, people have many, many, many diverse opinions. And it seems today what's making peace and freedom even more difficult is the fact that there are and this is not to necessarily get into a political issue because uh, you know, we don't particularly need to do that. But there are so many more extreme opinions today than there was once upon a time that I think that's making the idea of um, connecting with each other on a, on a more global um, stage much, much more difficult. I think um, people just don't like peace because the reason I say that is because if any if any bad thing happens, 
all of a sudden, every country will stand up, do their part. And like COVID, you know, the government did what they can do and everything. And immediately that thing stopped, they go back to their normal ways of living. And if they can do that, if people can just um, come together when things happen, why can't they continue? Because if something happened, like, you know, they said, there's a disaster in this country, this country will stand up, America will stand up, everybody will club together that time. And you're like, oh God, the world is, you know, stunning again to be good. And all of a sudden, two weeks or three months after that, when this thing started, then they go back to, you know, the the way we behave before. If we can just look at each other and see good things in and yes, my first thing is we try to bring bad things from other people. When you look at somebody and you say, okay, that person is uh, is always stealing or something. But if you try to bring good things out of people, that respect is there. That person is okay. I don't want to offend that person because she always you know talk to me nicely and so something. So if you stop judging and just looking at people and see the nice thing about them and start bringing it out and talk peacefully with other and and that um stop if we stop putting people down okay you know i'm this i'm that i'm that and then people you know everything is going to change it's not going to be one year two years three years of thing but gradually everything will continue to change and then we have peace peace is going to come but in a slow way i'm just going to throw a spanner in the works Everything that we've all been saying is all very well. But, and you know, lots of good intention there. We should all communicate. We should be better humans. But who has had a conflict within their family and found it very difficult to resolve? (laughs) Almost half the table. So I'm interested in that. So... You know, it's all very well, dialogue, communication, but even within our own families, just that I'm sure we've all experienced moments where we've had some sort of conflict where you've stopped talking to someone, where communication has broken down, where arguments happen. I'd love to hear how you've resolved those things and how you've managed those things because it starts from on a very personal close level like if we can't even do that how on earth are we going to manage it on a on a global scale you, you just brought something which is really so poignant and it just happened to me uh, recently you know uh, in 2009 my husband died uh, he was brought up as a staunch christian uh, a catholic and then uh, he became a born again christian that means you know, uh, I don't want to go into religion, uh, but what happened is the family, his family said, this church you're taking him to, we are not coming. And if you take him there, we will disown you. That is the time that we needed really, really support from the family. They're good people. Don't get me wrong, this family, but when it comes to religion, which is, can be very div, div, you know, divisive, they said they were not going to come. They loved their brother. They lo- the, the siblings loved him. He, he, they come and see him, but they said, no, we are not coming to this church because it's not a Catholic church. And they didn't come. 
But, you know, that time when they didn't come, and my son, one of my sons says to them, if it is it's, it's reversed, like my, my dad is here, and one of you, one of them passed, he will not say that because of the love that he has for that person, for the brother or sister. But they didn't come. So, but then, two years or so down the, the road, one of them passed. Me and my children, we represent, we went, and we, we, we did what we have to do, contributed with what, because to me, the past is the past. I, I'm, I, in, the peace I had is that it's not about me, it is about them. Their conscience will tell them what they have done. And then one of these siblings of my husband, this, one of the daughter of this man, he passed la- two weeks ago and we buried him on Tuesday last week, a week ago. She became a born again Christian. And she was sharing with me that the father and the mother were very cross that she did that. That, that is within a family. And there is love in that family. So this time now, he was buried on Tuesday. My, my children were Paul Barrel. They didn't, they said, our dad is gone. This is his brother. We do what we have to do. That's how you get peace. And we found peace because we didn't do, you don't do bad for bad. You do good for, for bad. You know what I mean? You, because what they did is their own conscience. And that gave us peace. It gave me peace that I did. And they, if you see the text and everything and the phone, thank you very much for the support. But when I needed it, they didn't give it to me. But that doesn't mean, that's how I find my peace. It didn't stop me from doing what I know that is right for them at the time that they need it. I find that uh, most of these disputes within family is because of, of greed. Greed is a bit like the cancer in our society. Uh, we want to have more than we need. And uh, it's very difficult to solve the problem because uh, in the cure for this is forgiveness. We got to be able to forgive and uh, get over the past and uh, clear the desk from all the burden and start afresh. It's a very difficult thing to do because we think we, we're missing out something. But the bitterness is going to affect our life. That's very important. It's a thing we must achieve. Um, we must have a, a way to unite each other because the union makes us stronger. And this meeting that we have in here brings us together, sharing our thoughts. That makes it uh, much stronger. I hope uh, we can do that, and because we much be happier in life, and we will have a longer life, happiness. One of the most important things in order to achieve peace is not to be judgmental. Um, we are not supposed to judge other people. If they, you know, only God can judge us, so we must not judge because judging other people can bring 
lots of problems. Yeah, and we don't know that person's circumstances, how he was brought up. So it's only up to God to judge us. We must never judge other people. I, I'd love to hear um, some more about more personal family conflicts, how you've managed to resolve them, because maybe that can give us some clues. Yeah, Faye. Yes. Um, when I was, before I kept coming to this country, I had a cousin. And we, um, for some reason, we never got on. And then she started saying, you know, gossip thing about me. And then my father said to me eventually that it was because she was jealous of us. So we hadn't spoken for years. And then she came over to England and she trained as a nurse. And I came over long after. And for a long time, I kept thinking I should make peace with her. And um, I'm, a, I'm also an embroiderer and I had an exhibition with some friends. So I decided to send her an invitation and she came. And I don't know, I felt so happy and we made peace. And since then, we keep in touch with each other. And during COVID, she had a um, very bad time. She found that um, she had a little, like a little sore in her leg. And for some reason, this thing got bigger and bigger. And she, she went to various hospitals and they never found out what happened to it. So eventually the leg got so big, she asked them to cut it off. She's doing very well now because we spoke a couple of weeks ago and she said, you know, she's got a prosthetic leg, but it's quite heavy. But she's managing and she's much more cheerful. So I was really, really pleased, you know, that done. Uh, I, I, I didn't really have um, a family when I was young. I didn't, didn't have a father. Um, I don't have children. Um, and the very the small uh, family members, really, I was never in contact with as I grew up. So I, I sort of just by chance, really, and, and, and circumstances, ended up throughout most of my life having friends and going and understanding and being with them and their families um, and got into a sort of habit of observing because of lack of, of, of my own family, observing for like, I, know, I suppose, 50 years really, roughly, um, observing other people's families when I was within those families and enjoying an awful lot of what went on within family life, um, uh, which I had probably never really had the same sort of experience of, and especially with children. Um, and I think I've ended up coming to the conclusion in terms of family life, uh, this is sort of going away from really what I think is what's been expected from your, uh, the experience of many of the people around the table, is that, is that family life can be the healthiest possible thing and the possible chance of peace, mm -hmm. which is passed on to their children. And I also think it potentially is the unhealthiest possible thing <laughs> that many parents pass on to their children, which elbows, deletes the, the even possibility of peace as children grow up. I think family life is without having any sort of religious belief myself personally i really feel that 
healthy, constructive, sharing, giving, loving family life is actually the way and is the only way. But the other side of my brain has observed so many unhealthy things that go on and therefore makes the idea of peace for the future really in our hands right now. Yeah, something like that anyway. Yeah, I suppose um, I'd like to go off a little bit of a tangent. When I was a young man, um, um, I won't go into full details, but uh, I had a breakdown, um, a mental breakdown. And I found that the problem with when you become mentally ill is it's not a fault of anybody, but people don't understand. You try to explain something. I don't fully understand if oh, pick yourself up or buck yourself up. No. So um, I suppose if that happens within a family and someone who's close to you doesn't understand, even though they see you go for an illness, uh, what's it like on the bigger scale? Uh, when leaders meet, you've got someone like Putin, for instance, or someone else, they've got their egos, and uh, how do you deal with something keeping things in a peaceful situation? I suppose that must be it. So I suppose understanding... Yeah, if people can, if people understand more, I think we need to understand, may develop that uh, to understand each other better. I think that's a really interesting point. I think that's actually, I, I know Lucia wanted us to avoid getting into politics, but your example is absolutely, absolutely correct. I think really. Um, if I could just say just just one other thing about family, and please don't get me wrong, I really do think families are the best possible chance. But the things I've observed within families, some of them, are so disgusting and so hurtful to young people that it makes me cry sometimes. Mm. I mean, I mean I've, just in the last month, I've come across two families where they no longer want anything to do with one of their children because they had a, an argument about money. I mean, th th this is crazy. I mean... This is not what family is. Uh, and, and in fact, you're right. I think people, uh, not everyone, we make this assumption that everyone has got to be a loving parent. We don't actually realise often that people don't really know what even love is and what it really means. I mean, it's so easy to say I love you. It is so difficult to really mean it and understand it and do it. You can't just say, I love you, and everything's forgotten. It, it's just, they're just words. It's like, it's, it's becoming even worse these days, it seems to me, about our use of language and our use of words that are not necessarily misunderstood, but actually not even, not even correctly said. I think our understanding has got to go much deeper than it is at the moment. I, I, we must admit to ourselves that there's so much we don't understand, and we must teach our kids to question and to keep questioning. Because if, if we make them stop questioning or we push them aside or we don't love them, then actually the moment they start questioning, we've had it, we're done. I found that we don't really uh, um, make use of our youths as much as we should. Young people, they, they're not given the voice they deserve. Um, I remember growing up in Italy, and uh, when I went to secondary school, the first thing they told me, 
Many of you will graduate, but very few will get a job. And I found that this was uh, about 50 years ago. But things haven't changed. And I found the young people nowadays, they feel they don't have a say in society. They're marginalized. I find the people that grow up much faster than used to do. And if you look at 16 year old now, you cannot compare even to a 20 year old one century ago. But they don't have a voice. And uh, it's very important to give that voice to them. Because if you don't, they will grow up. And when they got a family, they uh, grew up with a sense that what they say doesn't matter. And that brings up it in our world. That's why so many people, they say, I don't do politics, I don't do this, I don't do that. But you've got to, to participate to make the change. If you don't, other people will do. A minority will do it for you. And that won't be for your best interest. Malcolm, Charles and Faye, they said something uh, about family. And that is what underpins our society. If the, f the foundation is faulty, everything else will be. So it, everything else will be pear-shaped. It's at home, like Malcolm is saying, that we have to start. You said something, uh, uh, Alex, about even starting in the nursery to, to instill in how we should behave. But the, the part I wanted to say is that when we don't have that peace, so many things come. It becomes toxic and people get sick. Like what Faye has just said, that builds up because that is how we, we are emotional people. I said we have will, we have intellect, and we have emotion. That is what makes us. We cannot go. The love is poured in our heart. You don't need to look for it. You just need to, to let it come out. And, and the ways you, you can do that is by how you, how you respect other people, how you, you treat them the way you want them to treat you. And we should be telling the little one. The little one, they've got so much in terms of the way things are going now. When I was growing up, we didn't have technology like we have. Now everything is at their fingertips. They can see what is happening in the world. And that might be mind-blowing for them. So the, the foundation must be right. We, we have responsibility because they are the future. I, uh, you know, I always talk to my grandson, and the things he comes, is even more smarter than myself sometimes. And I just, you know, and I go with the flow. I said, oh, yes, you know, <laughs> even when I know. Because it, that is how they learn. It starts from home. Like Malcolm is saying, there are things which you think, do they really love each other? Why are they, you know, this is not important. But that's how human beings are. And we must not, you cannot stop doing good because eventually it will pay dividend. Well, I think, I, I think I've been lucky that I had a, a happy family, which I didn't uh, fall out with, really. And I'm, I'm going to see my brother for Christmas, and 
um, my sister's coming as well and all all her children and everything. So I'm lucky that we had a good start, I think. Uh, but I think you're right, it's the start that makes a difference. And if we don't start in the right way, that can affect how we grow up. I'm listening to everyone talking about families. I didn't have a family. I grew up in a children's home in British Guiana. All a girl's home. So we didn't have like a father um, to know how to do things. So we had, we sort of learned things from the older girls. And some of the things were not, not too nice because they used to spank the younger girls. And that we thought that was normal because we had no no one to, um, not to judge, but we had no one to take as an, ex- as an example. Um, so, and uh, the good thing about that is we came, we, we came like sisters and I've got sisters all over the world. And we, tr- we have a sort of a network that my sister who lives, my real sister who lives in New York, she'll tell me of the various sisters that we grew up in the home that she's seen them or what's happened to them. So when I got married, I had no idea what marriage was supposed to be, not growing up in a family. So I found that very difficult. Something just entered my mind that I, I, I'm sure had quite an effect on my life. I'm um, going back to this thing about, just for a moment, uh, about families, because I had didn't have a family to relate to really I did have a, a, a mentor and I think that this particular mentor <coughs> this particular mentor uh, that had a profound effect upon me was in fact uh, it almost sounds like a cliche was uh, my school teacher uh, um, from when I was um, four years old uh, this was down in the east end and and uh, this was a oh, it was quite interesting it was this was a, a middle-class lady that um this woman worked in, you know, in a, in a, in a poverty-stricken area of, 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 of Stepney down the East End, uh, with people living in um, hovels, really, and um, and slums. And she was my teacher. I then followed her when I came to eleven, which was then called the eleven plus, and went to my, the, the next school. And she, at the same time, coincidentally, moved to the same school um, uh, as a teacher. So. And then I stayed in that school until I was um, uh, 15. Um, um, so I'd already known her for about 10 years. And because of my interest in a particular subject, which my, uh, in the interest of drama, et cetera, et cetera, and she was a drama to English teacher, um, I went through my, my school years um, in various plays and various uh, venues in different, doing different things via drama. I then eventually became an actor. Um, and I left school, went to drama school, knew her throughout that period, and then I knew her throughout 38 years, all told, um, and I would go to her home, um, and I, I mentioned going to her home for a reason, actually, and that is that when we were kids and we were living in uh, down in the slums, she would invite um, you know, h- half a dozen to a dozen kids to her home in Brentwood, and... So I'm sure, and I, I, I do various other things for, for, for children down in the East End at that time. So I, I'm, I'm quite convinced the sort of mentor she was to me, she was also, without me realising at the time, was a mentor to other children as well. And I have, as I grew up, met a number of those, those children. 
And the effect it had on them <laughs> was almost identical to the effect it had upon me. And the effect, I guess, was really one of firstly questioning things, um, question everything and anything, not to be afraid of questioning things, to be positive, to, uh, to be yourself, to, um, um, to be fair, to believe in justice, to believe in freedom, to believe in all the stuff that we've already talked about around this table. So I guess in my mind, I've replaced family for me with positive mentors. And if kids who don't have great families or don't quite connect, maybe they should keep their eyes open, eh? Are you a positive mentor to Oh, no, 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 not me, no, no, no. Oh, well, I wouldn't go that far, no. Uh, that, 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 that's really pushing it. Um, although I must, I, I suppose if I'm going to go anywhere near that, and I'm really beginning to sound incredibly indulgent now, um, I've probably been a mini-mentor to some young people, although I won't, won't necessarily agree with all the things that, uh, that young people say as much as I, uh, I, I really... Um, enjoy being a mentor to, 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 to a, a few young people on my journey. Um, but I, and talking about that though, I think one, of the, one of the negative things is, is going, I'm going back to a song again now. Uh, what's the one that Whitney Houston um, sung about um, uh, the greatest love of all? Was it? The greatest love of all, yeah. Well, teach, our, teach our children well. Um, which is not, a, it's a great song, great commercial song, but actually one of the, th the main thing about it, which I really don't like, and it's become a sort of modern way of therapists telling pe young people and, 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 and online tells pe young people, and that is that the greatest love of all is to love yourself. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I don't fully agree with that actually. I actually think that can only actually make you feel indulgent and less, pos less possibly questioning yourself. I think to like yourself is absolutely right on and we should make sure that young people begin to like themselves and understand that they, can, they should question themselves. And I think you're more open to questioning yourself if you really like yourself. I think these days with technology, and the sort of language we use to keep telling children to love themselves and that solves all the problems mm -hmm. is actually not a very healthy thing to be doing. Show them love, absolutely. Give them love, absolutely. But no, I don't think we need to teach them to love themselves. If we're doing our jobs correctly, if we're living correctly in the way we relate to young people, hey man, they're going to love themselves in the way they want to love themselves. We don't have to tell them to do that. Let's just do our job. Um, about being a mentor, I didn't have a lot of self-confidence. But um, I was working as an adult tutor for Island, in Islington ad, ad, Adult Education. And they just threw me in. I, I trained as a chef. So they threw me in um, to teach. And... I was working at a particular school, and the, um, I had a, a helper. And she, whenever I made a recipe, she just turned her nose up. But then 
I got so interested in, you know, teaching people that, for instance, if I was showing him how to chop garlic and so on, and I'd forget that I had something on the cooker and it would burn. So eventually she took over and she'd say to me, just put in the ingredients and I'll do it. And I was there for two years and then I left. And then I got a message from her saying, well, she said to me, oh, I'm not interested in cooking. I don't like this. I don't like that. But then she saw how I cooked rice and she started trying it out. And she'd come back and she said to me, my mom liked the rice and my dad didn't like it. And then she said, but my mom liked this and my mom liked that. And I was really pleased. And then when I left, she con contacted me and said, do you know what? I've tra I signed up for City and Gill's cookery class. And she trained as a chef as well for two years. So I was so pleased that I inspired someone to do that. Amazing. We haven't heard from Pauline, Sister P. Are you finishing now? No. <laughs> we're, we're <laughs> we, we, I'm inviting you to join the conversation. It's your turn now. I've done the stretch that far. You're talking about peace. Well, a person of myself, I didn't grow up enough, mother, father, whatever, in a home, right? I would say I'm a great, great role model in the family. I would say that, yes. I would say I'm a great teacher within, from a young age. And not just family, because I look at people as my family. Right? I just look at people as my family. And there's loads of stuff, what Malcolm says, I do agree with him from the beginning. Maybe probably I don't know. The last, but the beginning. See, when it comes within a family, a lot of um, teaching is coming from parents to their children because some of the parents can be really not good, not nice. And it's like, uh, and they inherit it. It's like an inheritance. So it goes down. Because many parents do not teach their children how to like someone, how to behave, or even within their own family. Because you see, when you're so positive and you're the positive person like myself, they ain't going to love you or like you. They're not going to love you or like you because when you're a straight person, you see danger, you see danger, you, th you see things not really right. No, no, no. If you've got about 100, 2,000 family, they ain't going to love you. And I'm the one, right? So even if I've got loads of sisters and all these people, but I don't care because you know why? i got families all around me. Would you believe an hour is nearly up? It went so quickly. So what I'd like to do is a final word from each person it can be about something we've said. It can be something that you, has come to mind and that you haven't said. But just briefly, final word, Antonia. I think peace is within. And if you are at peace with yourself, you will be at peace with the world. Um, I suppose my final word is, is to do with freedom, really. And what freedom is not. And that is a commercial I saw a few nights ago on television, which is, was to do with um, a large firm corporation selling perfume and they were selling the perfume and using the word freedom. <laughs>
Sorry, I'm going to be a bit con controversial. Peace is flowing like a river, flowing out through you and me, spreading out into the desert, setting all the captives free. Flows through me, let it flow. <laughs> Thank you. I love that one. It's Beautiful. a lovely one. Final word from you, Sue. Well, I love to hear singing and I love to join in. And I've been to a few things in the last few days where people are starting to do carol singing and playing and lots of children and choirs and so on. And it's very good and I look forward to going to more of them in the next week or two. And the final word on peace and freedom to me is to look after the ones who don't have anything, the ones that are homeless. And going back to the salary, universal salary, I would say the most important thing is to give people the necessity of life. Be able to have a dialogue, people to go somewhere. At the moment, there are charities, are doing a lot. But to go somewhere, it tell them what the problems are, what they can contribute in society, and how they can be brought back to society. Because not having a, a, a home, it makes you detached from society. You need an address, you need a phone number, you need a mobile phone. Otherwise, you cannot vote. You can, you know, now you need even an identity to vote. Most people don't have it. Living in the street means uh, people will rob you, you won't have anything. It's very important to look after the needy. Um, it is very difficult, I think, to love other people if you are not, if you're never ever loved. And um, another thing that bothers me is when children misbehave, other parents uh, seem to blame the parents for that. Many parents, I can tell you, have tried very, very, very hard. And unfortunately, it was the, the company those children kept, not the fault of the parents, okay? Because parents, uh, you, you inherit from your parents the genes, then you are brought up by your parents, but when you go to school, you listen to your friends, okay? So it doesn't just depend on the parent to achieve good results, yeah? Thank you. I would say um, many ways, I think a lot of people are lost at the moment in the world. I think uh, the only way to find peace is if we all get together and find ourselves uh, and uh, to share that finding uh, towards a positive goal for the new year. Wonderful. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining me and in this parallel radio conversation. I hope it was enjoyable for you all. It was certainly really interesting and, I, and I'm sure that people listening um, will have lots of insight and enjoy your conversation. So thank you and happy whatever you celebrate uh, at, this, at this time and um, I hope to see you all soon again. Thank you so much. Short notice, but thank you very, very much for coming. Now, I'm not only came for the biscuits. Thank you, Faye. Thank you. All right.
Yeah, yeah, go, go for lunch. Come on now. Yeah, go, go on and have lunch now. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. 